much love. An old man turned 98. He won the lottery and died the next day. It's episode 18, season 3 of Ravage Love. <laughs> Isn't it ironic? Hi, Julie. Hello. <laughs> it is our... Canada Day episode. So we're going to bring you nothing but CanCon for an hour. And yes. fun fact, not only is, in my view, Jagged Little Pill the best album of all time, truly. Amen. Um, I know it inside out backwards. It came out on my 10th birthday. Nice. And at the time, my dad had a Jeep with a CD changer. Now, oh, remember, jealous. This is June 13th, 1995. So... Oof. Um, that was cutting edge technology at the time. Yeah, we didn't and, all grow up rich, Julie. <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, yeah. So that's why I, yeah, that album has a special place in my heart. But I also feel like there was we were predestined, me and Alanis, because yeah, my tenth birthday that album came out. My dad was super into it. He had this work Jeep, and we would rock out to some Alanis in it. That's a fond memory that I have. Oh, I love like um, it. Also, for folks who don't know, I have both a bachelor's high honors and a master's degree in Canadian studies. So this oh. is my fucking time to shine. It is. And I'm um, stoked. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this because I know you are a big fan of Canadiana. Um, I also know that we both love an Canadian animals dressed up as Canadian things. Um... Like a beaver and a mountie hat, like fuck me up, right? Oh, fuck me all the way up. Give me a moose in like a Habs jersey. Come on now. Yeah, Come I want like now. a Savala maple syrup with a little toque that says like hoser brew on it or something. <laughs> That's what I want. Um, I got I got jagged little pill as like when I got my first boombox. So I got jagged little pill and I got um, dance mix ninety five. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I just, I think I was like eight. I think I was eight when I got all that. But I fucking loved, um, I loved Alanis. And I loved to yell like, when you fuck her, like oh. from my bedroom. And because my, my dad bought it for me, my mom was like, what, what, why, why? Like, I didn't have to get rid of it. I loved it. And I listened to it to this day. Oh, my my lyric that I was like, ooh, so filthy. Although, um, what's that? Oh my gosh, I can't remember what it's called. But the song that's like, you know how us Catholic girls can be. Is it? What's that song about ooh. being Catholic? But I don't, that one's filthy. But I didn't. It was. Yeah. It's not overtly filthy. So when I was ten, I didn't get it. But what I definitely do remember um, is the. Which one of the first songs where she's like, "Does she blow you in a movie theater?" And I was like, "Oh, I know what that is." Oh, yeah, that's that, you want to know. You want to know. Yeah, yeah you want to. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a lyric that at the time I was like, "Ooh, sassy." And then like, you know, however many years ago into adulthood, when I listened to it again, I was like, "Oh my god, this fucking song about Catholics is like, <laughs> woo, yeah, spicy." I love that. Um... All I really want, I fucking love it. Cause it's just like, it starts and it's like, do I stress you out? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. fuck yeah, Lannis. I hope I stress everyone out. Oh, uh, I love it. And then the secret song at the end? 
Yeah. Where there's like a long gap and then there's like an acoustic uh-huh. version of this song. Ooh. Yeah. That one also. I went to your house. Oh, fuck that album. God damn. Way to start us off on a right foot. Well, I am excited to talk about Canadiana for obvious reasons. Um, but I'm very excited because uh, I purposely chose a contemporary uh book for us this week because i i think you should just tell the people what you read renee because the people (laughs) are going to be excited um i read leonard cohen's no i (laughs) 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 no i read bear by marion engel which was recommended to me by a new listener my pal francis from bc hey girl um and I will get more into that recommendation later. But yes, that's what I read this week. And, you know, I feel like maybe you know more about Marianne Engel because I had never even heard of her before this book was recommended to me. All I saw was the cover and I was like, I am in. That's what I Oh, yeah. Up, it is that, an yeah. award winning book that every couple of years, it's from the 70s, I think. Yeah. 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 I think it's like and 74. Every, yeah. Every couple of years, the internet. Like probably since like the early 2000s, every couple of years, it like comes around again and the internet is aghast all over. Uh, so I'm very excited that, sorry, my cat has a zoomies in the background. I don't know if you can hear anything weird. It's just my cat's nails scratching on the ground. She's really excited to hear about Bear. Um, but yeah, I know about it and its historical significance, but I just love the fact that it has almost this like cyclical nature where every couple of years, some like hipster finds it online and then people get all aghast again, which they should be. Um, I will say this week, like I said, I chose a, so we both said we were going to choose anything related to Canadiana by, about Canada. This week I chose a new contemporary book, a new-ish, 2019, but uh, I will say my vote if you are looking if you are a listener who is genuinely interested in reading some good erotica in particular it's kind of romancy but really good erotica the best i've ever read truly is the secret trilogy but secret is a um acronym and oh. it's written by a canadian so it's written by l marie adeline or adeline i guess adeline and it is so good so it's a trilogy now so there's Mm -hmm. like the oh my gosh so good and it came out around the same time as 50 shades so when 50 shades came out every you know everyone's mom and was all into it and my mom's book club was like oh should we read this and so my mom came back to me and was like well you have your finger on the pulse of like is this problematic and i was like oh mom it's so problematic So I was like, if you want good erotica, like, she's like, yeah, we want like good erotica recommendations. So I told her about the Anne Rice series. Yes. Apparently my mom is not into kink because she found it very disturbing (laughs) (laughs) and was like, I can't read this. I find it very upsetting. I was like, noted. Um, But then Mm -hmm. she was like, oh, so then I asked around and, you know, all of these women were saying they were going to read Fifty Shades. And I said, my daughter says we shouldn't and that it's garbage and that there's better things out there. And so she's someone told her, oh, yes, you should read Secret by Elle Marie Adeline. So my mom recommended it to me and I was like, oh, whatever, I'll give it a shot. Oh, my God. So good. And the whole premise is there's this like secret society for women 
and men volunteer their time, energy, and bodies to fulfill women's fantasies. And the idea is that in order to live your best life, you have to feel fulfilled. And too often women are not fulfilled or they don't prioritize themselves. And so they recruit you if you're like single or you're struggling or they just think that you're not living your full potential. This like older, very elegant woman will approach you and then ask you to join the secret society. And then you list what your fantasies are and then they just happen. So, like, this woman fucks a pilot, and then this other woman, like, goes up with, like, a biker guy. It's, like, super, super consensual and, like, very, very feminist, body positive. There's, like, women of all backgrounds, all body types, like, all kinds of different fantasies, um, but still really spicy. So, Ooh. I really, really recommend it. It's the Secret Trilogy by Elle Marie Adeline. Um, Really good. I highly recommend it. But not to be confused with the secret. No, exactly. Also, like there's a secret like children's book collection of something else. Not really. It has nothing to do with putting good juju in the world and hoping it comes back to you. It is just I can't remember what the acronym stands for. But every step of the letter is a different thing and then you get a locket like it's almost like a pandora bracelet that they just keep adding things to (laughs) and then you'll like see a woman on the street with it and then you'll be like hey girl but it's like a secret society yeah very spicy cannot recommend it enough and what's good about it for folks who you know who are maybe new to the world or like new to being kinky or sexual or what have you you can get them from chapters like you can just walk into chapters and get them you can get them from places so you don't have to feel you can order it from a regular bookstore and get yourself some spicy erotica. But I'm going to tell oh, you about who... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just... I got to know now. If if a well-dressed woman approached you in the street and asked you what your fantasy was, what would you tell her? Well, I mean, she, she's stealthier than that. Um, <laughs> She just comes up behind you. She's like, ha! <laughs> she's like, cuckoo! <laughs> <laughs> Um, just like <laughs> caca across a Starbucks. You're like, what? Um, oh, that's a good question. I, I have, <laughs> so, I mean, going back to your point earlier about some of, like, not all of us grew up rich. So I have always been, like, I grew up in a working class family with the bougiest taste my whole life. And I don't know why, like, it's this running joke in my family that like, I don't know (laughs) if I was like an heiress in a previous life or something, but I like (laughs) fancy shit. So I think mine would be like one of those whirlwind trips where someone's like, pack a bag. We're going to Dubai or some shit. And we're just going to like some seven star hotel and just like banging on a balcony overseeing like, the pyramids or Monaco or something. I that's my thing. I think would be like a whirlwind weekend, just like bangerang, but in like extremely fancy places. That's my vote. That's yeah. my instinct. Anyways, that's nice. Mine. How about you? I approach you going oh. cuckoo <laughs> at a coffee shop and t- I'm like, tell me your <laughs> deepest fantasies, Renee. Um, you know, I was gonna make a handsome Bigfoot pilot joke, um, but sincerely, <laughs> sincerely, my biggest fantasy is just that there's no one in my house to take care of Ooh. and I can just like be in peace and quiet and do whatever I want. That's like, that to me is more than an orgasm. It's like, <laughs> it's just the best. That's, that's it. An empty house, an empty house, no kids, no pets. I don't have to feed anybody. I don't have to walk anybody. I just, 
do what I want. I just get up or not. What a great, <laughs> oh, so good. Ordering some food. I'm like, damn, this is living. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? Of all of our two fantasies, yours is more likely. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen or ladies. Uh, I mean, <laughs> ideally that fantasy would be with um, a butch woman. I'll be f- clear. So to oh, and yeah. followed by a very debonair gentleman, um, maybe even older, which I don't usually go oh, for, but like a vampire. I, yeah. Like give me like three, 400 years old, like Rao. Um, but no, but like, not older. Cause then you get like a Nosferatu situation. Yeah. No Ooh. Yeah. No, nobody wants that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, he's gotta be cute. Um, yeah. thank you for Sorry. putting my head in a positive space. Uh, I'm going to tell you about what I read this week and I'm so excited because all I did was just Google like I just was like okay Goodreads the internet tell me who are some great Canadian romance and I you know we've read quite a few we didn't intend to seek out Canadian authors but we've read Mm -hmm. quite a few Canadian authors over the course of the old potty yeah but I had never read anything by Lilith Darville Darville I think is how you pronounce it Lilith Darville well this woman is in Ontario, and it wasn't, she just says Ontario in her bio, but I think if it's anywhere near where this series is set, it's in the Prince Edward County area. Mm-hmm. So Lilith Darville is the pen name of internationally best-selling author Lilith Darville, who is a Black Canadian woman based in Ontario, where she lives with her husband and her cat. And she writes uh, primarily romance but especially paranormal reverse <gasps> paranormal and reverse harem yes and likes dark and contemporary okay. uh based on her photo i think she's like middle-aged which i'm into because her book was filthy nice. uh and so this book was called carnal beginnings and it is the prequel to her best-selling series called the Masquerade series. So, Carnal Beginnings. I'm not sure when the uh, like Carnal Beginnings itself came out in 2019. So, pretty new. Um, it's about 150 pages or so. Got it on the old Kobo. <clears throat> Let me tell you a tale about Connor McLean who lost his virginity, which again, not a term that exists. We call it sexual debut here on Ravage Love, but had his <laughs> sexual debut at 18 to smoking hot 21-year-old Meredith Kincaid. Mm-hmm. And three years later, he is he gets a side hustle. So he's out of high school, living his life, and he's got a job delivering prescriptions. And he drops off prescriptions at this house, and he's like, could it be? Yup. Meredith still lives there. And she's like, I've been waiting for you. And they bang a rang. And I'm nice. thinking, okay, all right. Make it up for last time. Then they decide, let's go grab a bite in this, uh, like one of these cute little places nearby. So they hop in her Porsche. And yeah. so he's like, oh, okay, like you're a baller now. And she's like, well, you know, I'm going to law school. So I'm not a baller yet, but it was a gift. And that's kind of your first clue of like, who gifts someone a portion? Ooh, is she baby? Well, at the restaurant, they pull up and the host says, oh, just you two? And she says, yeah. And he's like, oh, your other gentleman was asking about you. 
And she's like, oh, I don't know who you're talking about. Clue number two. Then at dinner, she tells him that she was initiated into a sex club and has discovered <laughs> since the time that they were together that she is a freak who loves to fuck in public, loves group sex, loves kinky shit. Um, and he's like, okay, okay, that's not super my jam. I don't know much about it, but I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Thinking she just means like, I like to just fuck filthy with a particular person. So then he ends up staying with her for a couple weeks. They just fuck a bunch. They go to a Saga beach. They're just like having a time. And he's trying to get more answers out of her, but she's being really elusive. And she says that she's a sub with many masters has always loved the life. And I think this is a little nod to Lilith, the author herself, but um, she says that her parents were into it and she stumbled upon her parents' like sex dungeon and no. when she was young and that it should have freaked her out, but instead she just found it really fascinating and then dope, like did a deep dive into it and was like, this is fascinating. And then turns out it's because it was an itch that she needed to scratch. So... Basically, Weird. the premise of this book is that Connor is torn between the fact that he loves Meredith, but knows that being kinky is important to her, and she loves Connor, but also loves being kinky and won't give it up, and Connor's a jealous person, and he's like, I think I want to just be monogamous with you, and there's a lot of like tension and back and forth, and that's basically the whole premise of the book, and then she says she has to leave quickly for a meeting and he's suspicious. So he follows her, which, you know, I'm not down with that mm -mm. and sees the chance of going to this yacht club. And he rolls in there with his bestie and they crash the party. And all of a sudden there's the lights go down and there's a stage show and it's Meredith just getting fucking banged hard by a dom. And there's <laughs> plugs and toys and her screaming and clamps and all kinds of shit. And his best friend is into it. And is just like, yeah, that's a girl. Like, that's amazing. But meanwhile, Connor is filled with rage and jealousy. So then when she gets off stage, she's like, oh my God, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, some meeting you have. And she's like, well, I just like, basically, she's like, I don't know how much I can tell you and how much I can trust you. And I don't want to scare you away, but this is important to me. So you can kind of see her perspective of like, I don't want to lie to you, but also I don't want to freak you out. But then he's like, why are you hiding this from me? So he calls her a slut <gasps> and storms off. And I'm like, fucking mm -hmm. cut him loose, Meredith. You got better things to do. She wants to reconcile. It's like, I'm sorry I wasn't forthright with you. And he's just like all aloof. Like, Ugh, whatever. I'm not, I'm not feeling this. Meanwhile, it's because he's, you know, toxic masculinity. Can't talk about his feelings. So he, she storms off and realizes he's not going to come back to her. So she gets... She goes to a bar and is like, fuck it. I'm just going to have a drink in the middle of the day. I don't even care. This guy starts chatting her up. Roofies her. <gasps> no. Kidnaps her. This fucking took a turn, Renee. I need you Whoa. to know it took a turn. If it sounds like I'm just mi missing. I didn't skip a beat. It really just took a turn. She gets roofied. She gets kidnapped. Her friend figures out what's going on. Realizes, oh my God, she was taken. She was taken by Ken. And then he's like, who the fuck is Ken? And then Ken is this guy who's been kind of hanging around the sex club and no one could kind of figure out who he was. Um, had a really kind of shady past as in like no one could, you know, when you Google someone and nothing comes up and you're like serial killer, that's kind of what happened with this guy. They're like, he could either be extremely chaste and lovely or the worst, 
we don't have anything but he's hanging around and he seems to be harmless well he wasn't harmless he was waiting for his opportunity to pounce saw that meredith didn't have her big hunky man to protect her anymore oh, so he rude. right so then you find out that ken is a sex trafficker no what <laughs> yes holy shit yeah girl so then the bestie calls connor connor calls his friends they track her down to some cottage where they beat down the sex trafficker and then they try to rescue meredith and she's naked but the police say she was not raped she was just whipped and burned and roofied and then they're like that's all that's all exactly they're just like don't worry you're still chased uh, and then um, he rescues her and then they declare their undying love to each other and like but how are we going to make this work and they're like we'll do anything to be together the end oh my god was and then I a- could just imagine what the other three books are about was this a book about like Nexium? <gasps> okay Nexium? so thank you for bringing that up because I was like I don't know if it's because I'm reading a book Sarah Berman's book called Don't Call It a Cult Shout out to Sarah Berman. I went to the BAM Center with her. She's great. Awesome. Um, she's a vice reporter who got like all of this insider info. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, maybe it's just because I'm reading that book that I read Nixium type vibes in this, but I got Nixium vibes from this. So I don't know if Lilith Darville uses an alias because she's actually escaped Nixium. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely. A lot of sex so i would say very spicy a lot of fucking it was a little too uh descriptive for me in the sense of like not descriptive in the sex but like very a lot of flowery language and euphemisms Mm. and stuff like you know like when they're just like luscious big bread whatever um but writing was decent um spicy and consensual there was like explicit discussion of condom usage so you know things that we like to see lots of good genital descriptions um so in terms of spice i'm giving it because it is our canadiana episode giving it four to five venison pepperettes with spicy caesars nice yeah so um, real good bad yeah (laughs) yeah yum 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 So that was me reading contemporary uh, suspense, I guess. Romance, suspense, erotica. Not really sure. Didn't expect a sex trafficker to come out of nowhere. Uh, But Jesus goddamn Christ, I'm so excited for you to tell the people what you read, Renee. Because you are not prepared, people. If you don't know the story of Bear, you are not prepared. That's just it. Yeah, and you know what? I wasn't prepared either. Um... Dying. Yeah, in the words of Alanis Morissette, and all I need now is intellectual intercourse. So are you ready to dig the hole much deeper, Julie? Because here we go. Fuck yes. So I had not heard, I had never heard of this book, which is hilarious because that cover is what I collect, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And my friend Frances, who I know exclusively online, who is just the juiciest little peach, she's lovely. Um, she was like, hey, have you read this book? And I was like, oh my God, no. Like, what is it? Tell me. She's like, oh, it's one of my favorite books. And so she told me this story about how um, a relative went and got her a copy of like the original cover. And I had to order a shitty one online with just like some bitch with some scratches on her back, but I digress. Um, but Frances really wanted me to stress, because I told her I would give her a shout out, that she doesn't like like bears. 
And that's important to know reading this story because it could be your favorite book, but you might get a vibe of like, do does the person who recommended this to me like like bears <laughs> the way that our main character Lou does? So <clears throat> I don't know when this was set. I'm going to assume maybe like the 70s since it was published, I think in 74 or 76. Um, and I don't know enough about Marion Engel to give you like a rundown about who she is or what she was about, but she was a big deal. And Julie, if you get um, any sort of money from libraries, it's because of her. That's what I know so far. So also she won a governor general award for this book. Also like somebody on this show has a governor general award. You're a little more connected than you might realize. (laughs) (laughs) So our book follows Lou. Lou is a bibliographer. She works for uh, the Historical Institute. I don't know if that's a real place. And she kind of just lives this life where she works out of a basement. She's like fucking her boss. Um, and she feels really unfulfilled. She doesn't feel great. Now, there was an island called Carrie's Island, which was left like bequeathed to the Institute. And after years of like back and forth legal battles with the family, they finally are able to go in like catalog everything in this in the house on the island so lou is the one who's gonna go do it so lou hops in her car she drives out to like northern ontario and she has to hop in a boat and go to this island and um this guy named homer who runs the shop on the other side of the of the lake he kind of goes over with her and is like, you know, we've been taking care of this house. There's this like indigenous, they don't call her indigenous in the story. There's an indigenous woman. <laughs> she helps, you know, she's been taking care of the house. She's been cleaning it. Um, you know, we're all really fond of this property. It's one of those like um, circle houses. Oh like yeah. That, yeah. It was like supposed to be like good for phrenology or whatever. Um, so it's this really unique house on this like teeny tiny little island. And Homer's like, okay, so there's no, um, there's no plumbing there's no flushing toilets there's no electricity so you have to use gas lamps and stuff oh and there's a bear in the backyard and she's like well what he's like yeah no it's it's fine there's just there's always been a bear here we don't know where it came from there's always been a bear he has his own little cottage in the back just it's tame like it's all right you just you gotta feed him you gotta give him some water Uh, but remember like he's a wild animal still like he's still a bear so like just don't get too comfortable with the bear (laughs) she gets so comfortable with the bear Uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna do the nuance of this story. Well, I'm gonna do it dirty because it's a beautiful book. It's beautiful. It's beautifully written. It's lovely. Um, but Lou just is doing her best to kind of like work through the stuff that's going, you know, that she has to catalog. And it turns out that Colonel Carey, who built the house and came to the island, would only pass down his house to other Colonel Careys, and so one of his like children had the bright idea to name their daughter colonel carrie so she would get it so she lived there but there was always a bear and i think it's because they were obsessed with byron and byron had a bear when he went to college because he was a piece of shit um anyway you can read that story elsewhere as well so you know she's just cataloging her stuff she's kind of like getting really settled into this home she really likes it and she's spending more time with the bear you know she really wants this bear to like like her because she's nervous and then one day lucy the indigenous woman shows up and she's like oh i can tell that you're gonna take really good care of my bear 
She's like, yeah, I'm trying to. And she's like, well, you have to shit next to the bear. And she's like, what? She's like, yeah, you sh- if you shit next to the bear, it'll know your smell and like, it'll be good. It'll, it'll follow you and be good to you. And she's like, okay. So she starts shitting next to the bear every day and they just build this cool relationship. And, you know, she takes the bear to the water and they swim together and it's lovely. Um, and all this while, like Lou is just kind of like reevaluating her life and her choices and her role as like a woman in the world. And, um, you know, she feels super unfulfilled. She feels unhappy. You know, she's not sure what she wants to do with her life. Um, then one day the bear just eats her out. Oh, yeah. She's, I, I guess the bear, you know, knows his way around the house. So he comes in and hangs out with her while she's working. And uh, one night she's reading something sexy. One of the old books from uh, Trelawney, I guess. I don't know who that is. Sexy story. And she's like, <laughs> maybe I will make love to myself. And then the bear eats her out. And she's like, oh, we do in this? Okay. So the rest of the book, the bear eats her out. Um, she really wants to fuck the bear. Like she really does. But I don't know if you know this, a bear penis is, um, there's a bone in it and it's, it's, it sheaths into its body. So like it would have to come out of its body to be able to go into another oh. bear. Um, oh and my. she really wants, she really wants to fuck the bear. And so as, as they're building this relationship, there's a, there's a part in the book where like they dance together. She like dances with the bear. Dancing with um, bears. Dancing with bears. <laughs> uh, and she's just like, come to me bear, rip my head off. I want it. And the bear's just like, hmm? Um, and then, yeah, the, the penis comes out at one point. She's like, we doing this. And so she gets down on her all fours and she's like, let's, let's get, enter me bear. And instead the bear fucking scratches her down the back. And she's like, oh shit. And then she's like, get out. And the bear's like, okay. And the bear leaves. And then the next day, or maybe later, she wakes up with like a fever and an infection. And she's like, oh shit. Oh shit. So she treats that. And that's kind of like the part in the book where she like it kind of like reboots her life where it's like her affair with the bear is over and she's going back to life in the city and she's become a new person. So she's like going to quit her job. And um, this, my description would not win it a governor general award. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful book. It's beautifully written, but we're Ravage Love. We're not like NPR, okay? We're Ravage Love, and I'm here to give you the bare facts. The bare facts in this is that this wasn't a shifter. This wasn't a ghost bear. This wasn't a bear that had the spirit of a man in it. It was literally a bear <laughs> who she described as not a handsome animal and at one point had bear shit like matted into his bare butt fur, which is why she had to get him down to the water. And it was just a dirty bear. It was a dirty bear. It was a dirty, a dirty bear. She explains that she liked to explore his mouth with her tongue. while he explored Mm. her with his tongue. And at one point, like it's, it's bestiality. Like it's straight up bestiality. And, um, the, the protagonist like acknowledges that she's like, this is bestiality. And she even at one point like smears honey on her pussy to, or on her honey pot <laughs> <laughs> to get the bear to like come over. And then he's like, he gets all the honey. He's like, I'm over it. <laughs> so it's, it's literally a bear like 
sometimes she like finds like human qualities in the bear and then she kind of reminds herself like no he's literally a bear so um <laughs> it's not it wasn't spicy it wasn't it, it her first interaction with the bear real i had to reread it because i was like wait because <laughs> it was what? the last it was the last line in the chapter and like it was this whole thing about how she was you know reading all these these authors and how they would have had a relationship with the you know the colonel and all this and i'm like wow i'm just so into it and she's like then then the bear ate me and i was like what like something like that it's like like her or something and i was like and we're back i was like what (laughs) yeah so anyway listen it won the governor general's literary award for fiction in 1976 and it was well earned it was well earned. <laughs> Marion Engel is an incredible writer. She was an incredible writer. Her books are, I, I'm assuming the rest of her books are fantastic. Um, this book was no exception. <laughs> All but right. That's, that's, that's the, the, those are the bare facts for this <laughs> episode of Ravage Love and the book Bear by Marion Engel. And all I can think of is bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. That's the bare necessities. Are you gonna um, are you gonna fuck us up with a package or with a package? Oh my god! There's a mention of bare package in my passage. Yeah. Oh Um, my god! Yeah, I was like, is there gonna be dick in our discussion? All right, hit me, Renee. So I'm reading um, parts of a chapter. So I've I've cut out pieces that are inconsequential to what we do here at Ravage Love. Okay? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> bear, she cried. I love you. Pull my head off. The bear did not. But her menstrual fever made him more assiduous. Assiduous? There we go. She was half afraid of him, but drunk and weak for danger. She took his thick fur that skidded in her hands, trying to get a grip on his loose hide, but when she went deeper into the uh, into it, she encountered further depth. Her short nail slipped. She cradled his big, furry, asymmetrical balls in her hands. She played with them, slipping them gently inside their cases as he licked. His prick did not come out of its long cartila- cartilaginous sheath. <laughs> Never mind, she thought I'm not asking for anything. I'm not obliged to anybody. I don't care if I can't turn you on. I just love you. Bear, she said suddenly, come dance with me. She stood up and began to shift her feet in the Greek pattern, holding up her arms like a Cretan figurine. Slowly, the bear lifted himself up. She had the impression that it hurt or confused him to stand long on his hind legs, that it uh, that his muscles did not obey him easily in that position, but he stood unsteadily across from her and, as she moved her feet and arms in time to the pulsing music, began slowly to bob and shuffle. She watched him. He was wonderful. A strange, fat, mesomorphic mannequin, absurdly heavy in calf and shoulder, making his first attempt to dance upright. A baby. A wonderful, half-balancing, half-smiling, uncertain, top-heavy. The bear swayed, looking to her for direction. She moved towards him and took his paws in her hands, and then her fingers interlaced with his sets of knitting needles began to sway against him to the music. She had never embraced him upright. It was hot and strange. She swayed against him. She put her head on his shoulders. He stood still, very still. He did not know what to do. 
He did not reciprocate her embrace. He stood very still as she moved her body as close as possible to his. Then he yawned. She felt his great jaw moving down against her face. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw the gleam of his teeth and that two of them were missing. She moved away from him. The music had turned into a strange rubbing pizzicato, rhythmic and stylistic. <laughs> Sometimes the bear half ripped her skin with his efficient tongue. Sometimes he became distracted. She had to cajole and, pers and persuade him. She put honey on herself and whispered to him. But once the honey was gone, he wandered off farting and too soon satisfied. Eat me, bear, she pleaded, but he turned his head wearily to her and fell asleep. She had to put on her shirt and go back to work. Did she say that he walked away and farted? <laughs> yes, Julie. Yes, Julie. No. That is what she no, wrote. she didn't. No, she mm -hmm. didn't. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. she. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That, that first, I don't know why cupping a bear's balls wasn't as disturbing to me, but it, maybe it's because this podcast has absolutely ruined my psyche. But I <laughs> was the most horrified <laughs> by the news that, oh, what? You know, and that's, and it's, listen, Marion Ingle gets us used to it early in the story because Lou explicitly shits with the bear. So a fart after he licks honey off of her honey pot really is tame compared to to the amount of scat in this book. Jesus. Um, you know what? T five out of five. Um, five out of five bear paws for um, content, okay. but zero out of five maple syrup with toques on them for spiciness. Because there was nothing. It wasn't spicy. Well, no fucking shit. It wasn't spicy. That's horrifying. I mean, I guess... I, I guess I guess no. it needs to have some sort of shifter element in order for me to feel less creeped out by it. I guess right. that's where I've landed. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or, or, listen, the giant spider didn't fuck me up. It was hot. Oh, yeah. Even when she gave birth to the baby spiders. That's like my bar. Is it better or worse than the spider erotica? And yeah. this was worse. The spider erotica is the baseline for me, and I liked it, but I, this book was, Listen, this book is a Canadian classic for a reason. Everybody should read it. Um, but don't read it for the sex scenes. Uh, don't read it at all, as far as I'm concerned. But if you do no, want to join, if you do want to join the hipsters online that have made it a thing, I, I, I well, I'm taking us in a different direction, and I'm actually glad that I'm ending because I feel like it's the only way that people like. This episode feels like nightmare fuel. Although, frankly, our Easter episode is by far the most disturbing one based on all the feedback. And also I get a fan it. favorite, though. <laughs> a fan favorite slash yeah. nightmare fuel. Okay, <laughs> so this is early in uh, my book where she is... So, again, Connor and Meredith fucked mm -hmm. when he was 18. Three years later, he's still hung up on her. She's feeling him out but she also is not willing to give up being a sub to multiple different men and like just being very deep into the kink lifestyle so this is her kind of explaining to him he's kind of asking her questions like hey where did this start like what's going on with this mm -hmm. um so um do 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 okay let me just, just get it started so he's asking her like how long have you been into this like what's you know what's the deal yeah. Were you into this when I met you at eight when I was 18? And she was like, kind of, but I didn't really hadn't really figured it out yet. Okay. So she says, 
Not a kid exactly. I'd started my training a couple of months before I met you that summer. How did you meet these masters? Were they even men? The edges of Meredith's mouth quirked as my curiosity overcame my emotional turmoil. Yes, they were men. Would you feel any better about it if it was a woman? I grinned. Maybe. It would be a hell of a lot easier to fantasize about that, for sure. How did you meet them? One was a friend of Brett's, and one I met at a club. A Brett, a friend of Brett Sandvine's? Incredulity. Oh, I can never say that word. Incredulity. Incred- Incredulously? Oh, but it's like incredulity is how she raised it here. Incre- Anyways, raise the pitch of my voice. You mean the guy who owns the estate? That Brett? Yes, that Brett. Look, do you want to hear the story or what? Okay, okay, I'll shut up and listen. I returned to stroking the back of her neck and she, as she relaxed in her seat. I'm an only child and I grew up in a loving household. My parents were very much in love and, as I later found out, hugely into the dumb sub thing. <laughs> they had a special room in the house they kept locked. They called it their playroom and told me it was for adult games. Sometimes when I was, sometime when I was around 13 or 14, I got curious about it, so I watched whenever they went into it. They stayed for hours, and sometimes I heard sounds that made me more curious than ever. My dad usually carried the key, but once he forgot it, my mom went back to their bedroom for it, so I knew they kept it in there. When they were away on a trip, I found that key, and I went in. Even though I just started fooling around with boys, I knew enough to figure out it was a sex playroom, and I was more excited than shocked to see their toys. What kind of toys? She had my full attention. A whipping post, and dildos, and whips, and nipple clamps, and gags, a bunch of bottles of lubricant, and lots of restraints. Wow, wasn't it kind of weird thinking of your parents using that stuff? Here's the thing, Connor. I didn't find it weird. It fascinated me, and I wanted to try the stuff. Part of me felt as if I belonged there. I fantasized about it all the time when I masturbated. Then, when I was 16, my parents were killed in a boating accident. What? Yeah, this is why. This is what this book was about. I'm just like, we're going down one path. Oh, shit, we're taking a turn. I can't even describe the pain. It's still so hard to talk about. I was devastated, as you can well imagine, and sex was the only thing that turned off the anguish. So I started looking for guys who were willing to experiment, and I started hanging out with an older and rougher crowd. Most of the guys had no idea what it meant to be a dominant. They were aggressive, and a couple of them hurt me. But overall, I came to realize I liked being forced. One of them took me to a BDSM club, which is how you know they're not kinky. No one fucking says BDSM anymore. Right. (sighs) One of them took me to a BDSM club and made me strip in front of everyone and whipped me. If it hadn't been for Brett, he might have hurt me badly. Brett knew my parents through the lifestyle and was appointed my guardian when they died. He rescued me. After talking with me for a while, he realized I was a submissive. He explained that the men I was with weren't dominant, they were predators. I was young and defiant, and I insisted I was going to explore and would be fine. He knew some of these men and what they were capable of, and he wanted to protect me. So he offered to find me a dom, and being driven by adolescent hormones, I agreed. After all, I was eager to experiment. So what about Brett? I paused. Do you love him? He means a great deal to me, and yes, I love him for many reasons. He's my guardian and my mentor. He's been very good for me, and he'll always have a special place deep in my heart. As for the other men, they're part of my past, the operative word being past. Can you live with that? I don't know. I think so. I don't know how I'm feeling right now. Although we're being, since we're being honest and open, I must admit a part of me is excited by this. You've given me a lot to think about. Thanks for trusting me. I pulled the car into a parking lot a block away from the lake and put it in park. I think you should tell me more about being a submissive. Yes, I said, she laughed. We strolled to the beach. Hand in hand. Oh. There you go. That can was. Can I be real for one second? Can you what? Oh, I just want to. I just. No. 
I just, I just want to be real for a second. Oh, absolutely. Yes, you can. Okay, you remember when you told us about how, like, he and his friend crashed the sex cruise or whatever? Yeah. All I could think, all I could think was Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn and Wedding Crashers. And so now he has, like, Owen Wilson's face to me. I could see that. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's supposed to be black, but... Um... Oh! <laughs> Not Owen Wilson. Not an not, Owen Wilson type. Not oh. an Owen Wilson type. Um, also, like, quite built is also part of it. So, again, not... Not an Owen Wilson. Not, not... But you know what? That's what's great about imagination, is you can do whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> oy, oy, oy. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, so that was uh, Carnal Beginnings by Canada's own Lilith Darville. Now, Renee... I am fucking pumped for next mm. week as well. I mean, I'm, I was yes. pumped about yes. yes. Tell the children what we are doing next week. Ooh, we are reading YA from our YA. Yes, yes, we're reading young adult fiction from when we were young adults. Oh, so and we're excited. each going to read a book that was pivotal mm-hmm. for, to our youth and in particular our sexual <laughs> awakenings, both good and bad. I, yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm excited. So, yeah, you are not going to want to miss our next episode because it is going to be a trip down memory lane. I'm so excited to reread this book. Like, I hadn't even thought of it in 20 plus years, if not more. So, not going to want to miss it. And as always, you should follow us on socials. Instagram, follow us on the Facebooks. Don't, don't. Because Facebook is the worst. We're not on Facebook. Exactly. I was trying to make sure you were still paying attention. (laughs) Always. <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, aka the only two platforms that matter. You will see the incredible covers of all of our books, but in particular, this week's cover of <laughs> Renee's book. It's why it goes viral every couple of years. Yeah, because it I'm is posting the iconic. original cover, not the one I have. So <sighs> get the fuck into it. Also, people. if you have a copy of the book with the original cover and oh. you don't want it and you want to send it to me, I'll pay for shipping. I would, yes. I would, it would be treasured in my home. It would be an honor. my other treasures. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I I cannot stress this enough. There is no home better prepared for this book than Rene Cabana Marshall. So uh, if you have a copy of the original copy or the original cover of Da Bears, uh, then slide into our DMs, either on Instagram or on Twitter, and we will uh, make sure that that gets to Renee's house because it, needs it to will happen. want for nothing. Oh, absolutely! It will be loved and cherished more than it ever thought possible. I mean, it'll be a bigger honor than when it won the GG Award. I stand by it. I will treat it as well as Lou treats all the books <laughs> in the book bear. Perfect. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for listening, folks. Love to have you here. <laughs> Listen. All I really want is for you to sing us out, Julie. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, man. That is a talent I don't have. I was like, can I sing a song in someone else's accent? Um, but I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't even try. So <laughs> I was going to go like, for all I really want is for every... I can't do... <laughs> I don't know why I made her sound like Cher. That's not how Atlanta sounds at all. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Ravage Love, our song is as Canadian as it gets. <laughs>
Oh, a hundred. You're right. You're right. Fuck it. I'm going to do it in my own accent. Do it. Ravage love. Ravage love. So Canadian. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.